What's the plan? What's the plan? Father God, I thank you for this awesome day, awesome morning that we're here with our brothers and sisters. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, for what, you, what you've already done this weekend in the lives of so many women. And Lord, that, that you're going to help them bring that to us. That you're going to help them contaminate everyone around them with what you've done in their lives. Father God, I ask right now that you lead us in this words, Lord. Lead me. Give me words, Lord. Let every word be your words. Open their hearts and their ears to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. What's the plan? What's the plan? Oh, <clears throat> who wants a successful future? You know, who wants, who wants a good future? Something, you know, that they can be proud of. That usually takes some planning, right? We should take some planning. Uh, we all should want that. We all should want success in our future, but we know that it doesn't just happen. You know, we can't just sit as that guy on the couch, you know, the guy on the couch that every movie has almost, like that guy, and expect that success would just knock on your door. It would show up. It would just show up. It doesn't happen like that, you know? What the society feel we should do to get success or to become successful well if you google if you google planning for a successful future <clears throat> this article from uh wiki wiki how y'all know wiki how right which is a website that teaches you how to do things it has an article called how to plan for a successful future you know, everything's on wiki, right? Wikipedia, wiki, everything's on wiki. So, so let's see what wiki, how, teaches us about success. Let's see what people throughout the world, when they Google how to be successful, what, is the in, what are the instructions that they're being given? What is the advice that they're being taught? Here it goes. First... I need everyone to go into your room. Go into your bedroom and close the door. First step of success. Second, go through your life thoroughly. Self-reflect. Take a moment to think about your life. What are your gifts, right? What are your passions? What do you really like to do? What do you want to be in the future? So you reflect, right? You're home, close the door, you know. In this world, kids don't exist, I guess, in this world. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you think about all these things. Number three, write it down. So now you got to get a pen and a paper and start to write down your passions, your gifts, what you want to be in the future. Most people that are famous will tell you that it all started with them writing down their dreams. Did you know that? Okay. Fourth thing is plan uh, a route to get there. What will it take for you to reach your dream? What will you have to do to get there? What do you have to do to get there? Then, after you've written all that down, you take that paper and you put it where? On the mirror, fridge, okay. All right, somewhere, okay, so not many of you saw this article. Okay, that's good, that's good. Um, on the mirror or the fridge, you have to see this every day. You have to see this piece of paper every day because that's how it's going to work. You have to see it every day. Then... You got to work your plan. You got to put it into action. You got you, you to gotta put into action the actual plans that you wrote down it would take for you to, to get there. So now you have to actually do something. And then you have to dismiss the negativity in your life. Dismiss the negativity. If someone, you know, the people that said you can't make it, dismiss them. All the negative talk, dismiss them. This and that, dismiss them. You know, you don't want any negativity in your life. From a worldly perspective, 
this is a solid plan. Some of you are sitting here saying, Pastor, that don't sound too bad in the first place at all. Listen, from a worldly perspective, this is a solid plan. But from a Christian perspective, there's a problem. God is nowhere in the equation. God is nowhere in the equation. I'm not here to tell you that all the things that I said were bad. But they failed to put God in the equation. And so from a Christian perspective, there's something wrong with this. The world will have you believe that there's nothing wrong because you are in control of your destiny. And we're going to talk about that in, in a few. This morning, as we continue in James, we're going to take a look at what the world what the Lord has to tell us through James about how a person of faith, if you call yourself a person of faith, how a person of faith should be making plans in life. James 4, 13 to 17. We're going to start off with James chapter 4, 13 to 17. <clears throat> Come now. You who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit, whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. James starts us off by discussing the foolishness, the foolishness of making plans without God. Remember that the book of James, he's talking to people that have agreed to follow Christ. He's talking to a group of people that call themselves brothers and sisters in the Lord, and people that are, are disciples of Christ. And so th this he's talking to the church, and he's calling them all fools if they plan without God. In fact, the example he uses sounds like someone that actually has followed the wiki house steps to success. Right? If you look at verse 13, it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such a such city, Spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. This, uh, according to the wiki how, right? You see, they have stopped. They have considered their life. And they have come to the conclusion that I am good at this particular business. I'm good at this. They have thought about what success looks like for them. And in this case, is making money. So how am I going to do that? They have planned out a route, a route, tomato, tomato, right? To how to get there. And they have decided we will go to that city today or tomorrow. They are speaking their future into the present. They have spent much time thinking, planning, mapping things out. However, they have not considered what the Lord would have them do. And James says that this is foolish. This is foolish. He's calling them fools. Now, why does he call them foolish? Well, he says it right after in verse 14. Those who plan without considering the Lord's plan for us. The, I'm sorry. Verse 14 says, Wherever, whereas you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? Even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Those who plan without considering God's plan are foolish because we for a moment think that our lives are in our own hands. If you make plans without including the Lord, what you're trying to say is, I have my life in my hand. So you're discarding the fact that God created you, 
You're discarding the fact that he knows all about you. You're discarding the fact that everything that we have is because he's given it to us. I mean, we discard everything about God, and at that very moment, we feel that our life is in our own hands. And that's why he calls them foolish. Like, you've got to be a fool to believe that. Like, you have to be a fool. From our view, right, life is uncertain. I mean, if you ask yourself, like, Mike, is tomorrow guaranteed? He knows there's no. No, no, is tomorrow guaranteed? Do you know for a fact that tomorrow you're going to be here doing this or doing that? But yet, even though we know that, even though we know that life is an uncertainty, right, we still somehow think that we are in control of the future, that we are in control of our destiny, that we have our own lives in our hands. That's why it's so foolish. Did you just hear that out of your own mouths, you don't know what tomorrow looks like? Out of our own, you know, everybody thought it. We don't know if, we're, if tomorrow is guaranteed, but yet we plan and we make, we live our lives as if our lives are in our own hands. That's why James would call you a fool. That's why. I'm not calling you a fool. I'm just saying what James said. That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm just the messenger here. I'm just the messenger. There's a poem. There was a poem by William Ernest. Um, and this poem, I, I don't remember, I, I didn't look up the, the name, but there was a poem that was famous because Nelson Mandela, while in prison in South Africa, would recite this poem to all the other inmates. While he was in prison with them, he, I guess he had a copy of this poem or he knew it by heart, but he would just continue to recite this poem over and over. And that's what helped this poem become more famous. I'm not going to read the whole poem, but I'm going to read the last two lines. And the last two lines say, say this. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. No, oh, just me? Just me? Thank you. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Joel. All right? Y'all don't go to poetry houses? You know? Okay, good, good. Good answers, good answers. It sounds nice. It sounds empowering. It sounds motivating. Yes, prideful, but nice. Although being completely untrue. Although being completely untrue. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You're pushing it, buddy. You're not that important. No. <laughs> Our supreme and sovereign God is the master of our fate. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? He is the captain of our soul. Whether you choose to believe it or not, that's the thing. Right now, you could be sitting here, you could be watching online, you could be like, <laughs> that's not me. I choose my life, how I want it, when I want it, how I want it, and this and that. And you could think like that all you want. You can. You can. I'm not here to force you to do anything. I'm just telling you that even if you think that way, he's still in charge. He's still in charge, the master of our faith. He's still the captain of our soul. What happens is this. Because God loves us so much, he wants us to make some good decisions. And so sometimes he gives us the space to make those decisions. So during this space, sometimes we think that we're calling the shots. Sometimes we think that we're, we're, we're governing our lives or that we're making all the choices. And what God is doing is, yeah, he, he's, led, he's allowing you the space to finally choose right. He's allowing the space to for you to choose right. We turn to Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says, You can make many plans, 
but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Uh, yo, this, this, this is uncomfortable for me. I'm preaching today, but I'm uncomfortable. Because if you guys know me, I like to plan. I like, things, I like my plans to fall out, like fall through the, the right way. You know, um, it's, it's, I'm, Proverbs 27, verse 1. Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. You know how sometimes we go through our lives and we feel like the enemy is winning? The enemy is winning. All things are going bad. All things are going wrong, right? Everywhere we turn, it's another problem. It's another issue. And we feel like, man, the devil's plans are winning. If you feel like that, right, you have to remind yourself that the Lord's purpose will prevail. Now, there's some things that we have to do, yeah, yeah. And we're going to get to that. But understand this. His plans and his way will always prevail. That's the God that we serve. It's like going into the boxing ring already knowing that you're going to win. This is what you have to understand. It is a fixed fight. It is. Yo, for real. Like we, I'm telling you, you go in there already knowing that you can win. Let me, let me, let me paint a better picture. It's like this. It's like you go into the ring, and all they say is if you put these gloves on, you'll win for sure. Right? And so now you're in the ring, and you have a choice because you are guaranteed victory if you put on God. You're guaranteed victory if you hold on to his word. You're guaranteed victory if you're going to submit your life to him. There you go, there you go, right? <laughs> but some of us get into the ring and we say, no, I got this. Yo, I, I've been hitting people with these fists for 10 years. I got this. And you get wiped, <laughs> you get slammed, and you get, like, wiped all across the floor. And then you say, man, I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> I don't know what went wrong, man. I've... I fought tougher guys in my life. I don't know what happened. But you know the funny thing is? You have a rematch coming up. And you have a choice. Put on the gloves or not. And that's where you learn to be resilient. All right. So, Pastor, what are you trying to tell us today? What are you trying to tell us, Pastor? Are you telling me tomorrow's not guaranteed? You tell me I can't brag about tomorrow? You tell me I can't plan about tomorrow because you know only God knows? No, no. I'm not. Listen, listen, listen carefully. I'm not saying that we can't make plans. I encourage you all to do so. I just told you that, like, I'm Plan Master Flex. All right, I'm always planning stuff. I'm telling you, it's to the point where, like, if we're just going to the store, I'm like, okay, if I leave at this time. I can stop at this store at this time, and we can get there, and we can get to this place, and we can spend two hours over here. Camille hates it. She hates it. She hates it. Oh, there's room for spontaneity. There's room. Oh, there's room for it. There's room for it. I schedule it in there sometimes. <laughs> this gap right here is for, is for spontaneous stuff. No, but the, the, hey, I'm guilty first, right? But I plan, and I still plan. And thank God that I do plan sometimes, because if I don't, things would have been a mess. But we still, we still, need, we still need to plan our lives. We do. But just because we don't know the future doesn't mean that we should live without thinking and planning for the future. But it's foolish to do these things, planning and thinking, right, without never taking account what God wants for us. So this is where James is trying to make his focus. 
he wants us to understand that we will be foolish to plan without God. Without taking into account what God might want. And so plan. plan do, do a five-year plan. Do a one-year plan, five-year plan, ten-year. Do those things. And pray and take account of what God may want as well. Right? Jesus, uh, and the reason why we take God into account is because, remember, he, he does know the future. You do know that, right? Right? We serve a God, right, who knows the beginning and the end. So he knows. So it's better to seek him because he knows already. Jesus told a parable of a rich man who made plans for bigger barns with no thought towards God. So let's take a, look, take a look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Verse 16 to, I'll stop at 19. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. That produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll, tell, I'll tear down my barns and big build, big build bigger ones. Say that 25 times. Um, then I'll have, a, I'll have room to store all my wheat and all other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Retirement is looking pretty good for this guy, right? We would all say that looks good. He, I mean, he's already got his future set. He's not going to have to work. He's not going to have to worry. He, it, it, it's just, it's just this, that's just the way it is for him. He thinks he has money. He's got possessions. Things are great. Except that he has not planned in accordance with the Lord. He has not sought out the Lord's will for his life. He hasn't prayed to seek the kingdom first and God's righteousness. So what happens? So what happens? So God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So this is where there's a conflict. Because I know, and I know, I'm telling you, my son is a financial uh, like advisor. I, I, I get it. I, I get it. But this is where there's a conflict. Because we want to create a wealth now to pass down to our next generation. That would be the goal. But what good is building wealth to pass on to your next generation if they're lost and going to hell? So, so, so hear me out. I, yo, I'm sorry if that wasn't cutified as it came out. But, but the thing is, I have, to, I, have to, I have to say it like that because I want you to know how serious this is. What good is saving all this money investing in properties and all that stuff if our children will inherit money and hell for eternity. We first, we first need to be seeking God, his kingdom, his righteousness, the things of Christ. Did you know there's, there's nothing more valuable that we can give our children than the understanding of who Christ is, what he did for us, so that they can make that decision to follow God. There's nothing more valuable. Some of y'all say, well, I mean, I don't know, a million dollars in the bank, I don't know. No, it's nothing more valuable. That million dollars is here today, it's gone tomorrow. Salvation or eternal death is forever. It's eternal. So in this case, this person 
he says, he, he says to him in the parable, he says, you're dying <laughs> tonight. Who's going to get all this stuff? How is this stuff going to help you in eternity? He says, you build up earthly wealth, but, not, but you do not have a rich relationship with God. How many of us, if we're honest, don't raise your hand. This is for you. Sometimes how many of us are so focused on building an earthly wealth that it affects our relationship with God? I know some of us don't have a choice when we work on Sundays. Some of us don't have a choice. And I know I've spoken to you guys. I know how that is. I know. Some people don't have a choice. But some people pick up second, third jobs. They pick up an extra this, an extra that. And then their second and third jobs are on times where they could be serving, being a part of what God wants them to do, missing out on things. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, some of us are so focused on building earthly wealth that we're damaging our relationship with Christ. And I'm not, I wasn't thinking. Again, again. And, what, and, the, and, and it all boils down to motive, too. It has to be. Some people have to. But some people, if it's greed, if greed, um, like I just said, if you are trying to build an earthly wealth, then, then, then there's something wrong here. And some people have to do it because they have to bills to pay, and that's, I'm not talking about that. You guys know what I'm talking about. So many people, even Christians, live their lives planning their lives, their futures, with no thought or desire for what God wants. Did you know, did you know that? That some of us are guilty of planning our future without asking God? <gasps> no. Pastor, we all ask God for everything. You know, other than going before the Lord on Sundays, and putting our week before him and saying, God, what do you want for this week? How do you want to use me this week? You know, what, 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 uh, how can I be better for you this week? Instead of doing that on Sundays, we, we, we go into Mondays planning on how, how can I make it better in my, you know, in my job, right? How can I, how can I uh, climb up the ladder? We start thinking things like, what do I have to do to get a promotion? And then when you start asking yourself like that, like, what do I got to do to get a promotion? Sometimes if you ask yourself like that, you're almost willing to do anything. What do I have to do to get a promotion? Well, just compromise a little bit of this, compromise a little bit of that. How can I make more money and how can I have more power? Versus, Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, how can I serve you better in this role? Or could I serve you better with a promotion? Because, I mean, hey, who wouldn't want a promotion? I want a promotion. We all want promotion, right? We all want promotions, right? But we, we got to go to God first. Because sometimes some promotions are the downfall of some people. I've been there. I've, I've, you know, I've seen some people climb up, and I'm like, you just ruined your life, bro ruined your life. I've seen people on fire for the Lord, on fire for the Lord's work, on fire for evangelizing, outreach, serving in the temple, serving the kingdom, and then get a promotion. And then we never saw that person again. And then years later, you do a checkup. Hey, how you been? Oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Are you serving? I don't, I don't got time for that, but God knows I love him. Oh, all right. He knows my heart. Yeah. I'd be like, yo, save that seat right there because they'll be back when everything falls apart. <laughs> save that seat right there, Tina, because as soon as it all falls apart and everything gets stripped from them, they'll be the first ones. Oh, Jesus, I need you. Some of us have already been there. Some of us have already been there. We know that feeling. Y'all know I'm real with y'all, right? Y'all know I'm real with you. All right. All right. Um, 
It's foolish to plan our lives without first seeking the will of the Lord. Are you a fool? Yes or no? Are you a fool? No. You guys aren't fools, which means we plan with the Lord. We plan an account of what God wants in our lives. Keep that as the focus in your planning, right, on a daily day basis. But it's not just including him in our plans, right? If we need to, if we're going to plan and follow God's will for our lives, you know that this requires flexibility. And I want to talk about that. So James 14, and, uh, verses 15 and 16 go on to say, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, you shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You see, it's not wrong to make plans at all, um, but we need to seek him and we need to be flexible to be led by him. Even if that means changing the direction that you wanted to go. Like, it's like, all right, I'm going to plan this for my life. But I know, God, I'm open to be flexible for what you want. There's a difference when we plan that way. Y'all, if you guys haven't heard that my dream was to be in God's country right now, which is North Carolina, then you're hearing it now. That's where I wanted to be. My plan was for this year, I would already be in North Carolina. Right? Right? A couple things stopped me from going to North Carolina, and I had to be flexible with that. And then now you can look back and say, well, God was changing the direction because he had plans for me to be here with you guys so that you guys could bless my life, right? That was his plan. But I didn't see that in my plans, right? The first, thing that, the first thing that happened was it was time to go to North Carolina, and Camille was like, I'm not leaving my baby behind in Philly. I'm not leaving my baby, and the baby was not Abigail. The baby was a junior in college. <laughs> he was a junior in college, and she was like, I am not leaving my baby. I'm like, yo, he got my sisters. He got my mom, my dad. Everybody's here. I'm not leaving my baby. So that was the first time we didn't get to go to North Carolina. Don't feel bad, Kevin. Don't feel bad. It was God's plan. God's plan. The second time was Lighthouse. You guys came into my life for the second time. And this is where God wanted me and not North Carolina. I'm going to tell you that we have to be flexible. We have to be flexible when we plan. We have to be flexible and submit to his plan. Now we can't just stay, <laughs> now we can't just start tacking on if it's God's will to everything we say. Right? You know how it is. Like, oh, I mean, if it's God's will, I'll do it. If it's God's will, I'll do it. I mean, because then what's happening is do you really mean that or are you just saying it to like check it off the box? It needs to be a heart condition. It needs to be a heart issue, a, an attitude within yourself that you truly mean if it's the Lord's will, I'll do this. Not just because James said it, you throw it on the top of every sentence thinking that now you're good. And you still want to do what you do, even though you said if it's God's will. Well, if it's God's will, um, you know, I'm going to move that over here. But you know you're going to keep it here. Like you already know you're doing that. But you said if it's God's will. Remember, God knows. Oh, yeah. Listen. <laughs> Stop. You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I am. We all pray about things, right? Two things. You two, two things. Okay, She's she going to come up here and grab a mic. She's going to tag team tonight. Listen, two things is praying. We all got to pray about everything, right? But we can't just say, I prayed about it and God said, and automatically as a fail safe. Oh, I prayed about it. I'm going to do this. I prayed about it. I'm going to do this. Okay. Right? And the second thing is, the, the, she, you know, and, and it's true, I feel, I don't, I feel peace. I think I talked about this one time. Like, like, you look at the Bible, a lot of these men of God did not feel peace at all to do some things that they had to do. So, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> beat, tortured, you know, martyred. I mean, I mean, there was no peace in that, but it was still God's will. Beheaded. All right, so don't believe the lies. We can't just add on God willing to every sentence and think it's, you know, it's okay. Oh, you know what? I want to stay married to my wife for the rest of my life, God willing. 
Of course it's God's will. You know, God's, it's a covenant that we made before God. Marriage is not supposed to end. Marriage is a lifetime. A lifetime. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, if I say, now, if saying these things out loud, now, if saying these things out loud, right, helps you, if saying these things out loud help you to remember, if it helps you to keep it in, in you know, to keep it as a, as a priority, then by all means, by all means, say it. If it's a reminder to you that God has to be in control, if it's a reminder to you, then, then you know what? Say it. But understand why you say it. and that, not, it just don't, not that it's just something that you're going to say it to, the, to then get a passing grade in class. It's a heart issue. Are you seeking the Lord in your plans? Are we seeking to fulfill our own, or are we seeking to fulfill our own selfish desires? Are we stubborn in pursuing what we want? Or is God, are we being flexible as he guides us? Flexibility is important as we make plans and follow God. But check this out, it also requires firmness. The pastor, flexibility and firmness are the complete opposite. So how are you saying we need to be flexible and then we need to be firm? You're confusing us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down for you in a minute. Firmness is required once, once God's will is sought, you are flexible in your understanding that his ways might not be your ways, but God now has shown you and he has revealed to you the what in your life, the what it is he wants you to do, the where it is he wants you to go. So now that he's revealed this to you, you need to be firm. And this is where you need to be firm, right, and, 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 and stand firm in pursuing and doing anything possible, anything that needs to happen to then get that done. Paul was firm in his call to preach the gospel, yet flexible where and when he did that. Remember, wherever God would send them, he would go. But yet he knew he was to preach the gospel. And he did that. Now, James is addressing people who are firm in their plans, but not the Lord's plans. What they needed was to be flexible with their plans and firm with, the Lord, with God's plans. And James is telling them that they needed to seek out God's will in their lives. Okay, but what, when, but what happens when we've done that? Then what? Okay, we've done that. Now what? Well, we need to continue to be flexible in the when and where, the timing of things. But as the Lord reveals the what... We need to be firm in pursuing that. Understand that. Paul is an example of this, right? He was firm on his call to be an apostle. He was firm on that. Even when people didn't, want, didn't believe him or, or um, they questioned it. They questioned Paul. That guy used to kill us, and, you want, and, and he's called to this? He used to, he used to kill us, execute us, and everything, and now, and now he's called to lead us, to teach us? Yeah, I doubt that. But guess what? Even when they questioned him, even when they doubted him, he was firm to the calling that God put in his life. Listen, God's going to give you a calling, a you a purpose. He's giving you um, firm instruction. And what you need to do is it doesn't matter what people say about you, to you, if they belittle you or not, you need to be firm to what God has called you to do. Where and when he shared the gospel, he was flexible with that, right? Another good example is Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man of God who sought the Lord and followed God's plans. And I'm going to breeze through Nehemiah. We've talked about this um, in Bible study. We had a whole uh, study on Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a Jew. He was in exile. Nehemiah was a Jew in exile. He was taken. He was the, a cupbearer to the king. And if you're a cupbearer to the king, you live in very good conditions because you had to be close to the king. You had to be close to the king. A cupbearer is the one that would, you know, 
taste it, you know, and, and make sure that he, had, he was there for the king and, and so forth. And so he was nearby, nearby the king. He was nearby the king. He had everything he needed. He was comfortable. All the other Jews in exile would look at him and probably were like, yo, this guy has it made. He has it made. But yet, there was, he was still bothered. He couldn't be satisfied with that. He was living in luxury, even as a slave. But he couldn't be satisfied with that. He was not satisfied with that. He, he, he was in tune with God's heart. And so because of that, because of that, he, he, his plans were not to stay there and be comfortable with life. When he heard about the state of Jerusalem and how the walls around the city were in shambles, he was grieved, and he spent the next four months praying and fasting, crying out to the Lord, as well as thinking of how he could help. You know, when I read this part, it made me think of this, and, 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 and I'm not just saying this because I'm the pastor of the church, but I'm saying this because it really just, Jer- Nehemiah was in a comfortable place. He had a routine. He got up, served the king, went to bed. Got up, served the king, went to bed. And he was living in luxury. He had everything he needed. He didn't lack anything. He was comfortable. He didn't have to change his life the way many of us are comfortable right now. The way many of us have a routine. The way many of us... um, are comfortable, we have a routine, we have everything we need. And because we have what we need, we good. I'm good. I'm good. The difference was, Nehemiah heard that the walls of Jerusalem were in shambles. Check this out. Nehemiah did not see because he wasn't there. He heard that the walls were in shambles. And it broke his heart. And, he, and, and God, and because of, of his relationship with the Lord, it, it drove him to say, there's something I need to do. I can't stay here comfortable. Are y'all listening to me? I can't stay here comfortable in my routine, in luxury, in having everything I need when I know that the walls are torn down. It should bother you. It should bother you when there's a need in the church, when there's a need in the kingdom. It should bother you. It should bother you so that you turn to God and say, okay, now, God, how can I be a solution? How can, I, how can you use me? Because that's what Nehemiah did. He said, Lord, how can you use me to build these walls back up? You see, we have to understand that following and seeking the Lord does not mean that we stop thinking and planning. You know, he went in prayer and fasting, and he planned. And the Lord uses our minds and our hearts to accomplish his will as we seek and obey him. Not only did Nehemiah pray and ask the Lord to grant him favor with the king when he finally went to the king to ask for permission and all that, right? But because he was following God's plan, the king not only said yes, but he said, oh, and take these officials with you and take this cavalry with you too. He gave him army officials and cavalry. That's, that's what happens when we do things within the will of God. Do you know that God has a plan for your life? Okay, one person there knew, one person here knew. Do you know that God has a plan for your life? Do you also know that his plan might be different than your plan right now? But I promise you this. I promise you that his plan is the best plan. Listen, listen, I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you, it's not, our our, our plans conflict sometimes and God knows it because, you know, y'all know where I was going to be at right now? but it was best for me to be here. It's best. 
It's best for me. It's best for me to be here. Because that's what he wanted for me. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as my prophets to the nation. God says, yo, I knew you before you were even created. Before you were even a baby. You see that baby right there eating football? Like God knew you before you even came out. Before you even existed. God knew. He knew each and every one of us. And not only did he know you, but he set you apart and he assigned you a prophet to the nations. Now, some of y'all are like, well, I'm a prophet. No, what it means is a mouthpiece. What it is, a mouthpiece of the Lord to the nations to tell others who God is. Psalms 139, th- verses 13 and 16. 13 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out by a single day, um, before a single day has passed. Now, I know this makes people confused because I'm like, oh, I thought I had free will. It's already written in this book. You do have free will, but because he's God, he already knows what you're going to choose. Come on, he's God. We can, what do you mean? Yeah, you got free will. Go ahead, right now. You're going to jump or sit? Y'all choose that, right? But he already knew you were going to jump or sit. He knew that. Is it really free will? It's still free will. All right, that's a whole nother discussion. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And we can't be foolish to act as if the future is solely in your hands. We don't want to go against his will for our life. Remember Jonah? Another book that we studied together in the church? Listen, God had a plan for his life. And what did Jonah do? Yeah, about that plan, I'm going to go over here and go against your plan, God, because I think my plan is better than yours right now. And God was like, all right, bet, go ahead. And then (laughs) change scene, right? And here you have Jonah begging for his life in the belly of a great fish. Oh, I'll do what you want me to do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many of us have been there? God, I'm sorry. If you just get me out of this situation, if you just get me out of this, God, I promise I'll serve you. I promise I'll do this. I promise I'll do that if you just get me out of this. And we find ourselves in those situations because we went according to our plan versus his. This is all real stuff, man. You know, I've been there, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. I got it. I, I know. I know how it feels. God doesn't call us to an easy life. And this is what we don't, this is what we don't want. We all want an easy life. But God does not call us to an easy life. He calls us to the best life, which is a life of obedience. What is God calling you to? Think about that. Pray about that. Seek that. Because, I mean, everybody here, everybody sitting here has purpose. Everybody watching has purpose, and what you need to do is go before God and say, God, what do you want of me? What do you want me to do? Perhaps you don't know it yet, but you probably want to know because, you know, we all want to know our purpose. I've had like a million conversations with Jordan about purpose, right? Right, right? Oh, you got the mask on. I guess I can't see if you say yes or no. But I mean, because it's important. People really want to know, why am I here? Why am I here? Who's ever asked themselves that question, right? Okay, why am I here? What's my purpose? How do we figure it out? Everybody's like. (laughs) Well, WikiHouse says, no, (laughs) no. For starters is this, for starters is this, Romans 12, 2. For starters, for starters, Romans 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But, 
Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, say then, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So for starters, if you want to know the, the calling in your life, what's your calling? What's my calling? What's my calling? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? First, we need to change our behavior. And we need to, we need to understand that we're set apart. This is the world. We're forced to live here, but we're not of it. We're not of it. And so our behavior should not should not resemble their behavior. Our attitude should not. Our thoughts should not. Our hearts should be set apart, right? When that begins to happen, then all of a sudden there's a transformation that begins to happen in your life. And as you continue to separate yourself from the world, the transformation gets more and more real. And now you begin to think and feel what God wants you to think and feel. You begin to see what God is seeing. You begin to, to experience what God is trying to, uh, to, to do in your life. And now you're, you're setting yourself up to be a recipient of understanding his will for your life. But some of us are still connected to the behavior and customs of this world. And still asking God, what's my purpose? We're still connected. We still dabble. Right, you know, dabble in a little bit and out, a little bit today, tomorrow. And because of the dabbling, we're never going to understand. Because according to his scriptures, we need to be separate from the world. <sighs> will you obediently respond to God as you seek his will? If so... If so, will you commit your heart to follow it? Lastly, James ends it up, he, he, he wraps up this, this section, verse 17, with this. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I want us to understand this last verse, because this last verse is a game changer. Say game changer. All right, that's me keeping y'all awake. We all know that failure to follow God's law is sin, right? We know that. We know that what, when we know what the Lord wants us to do and we choose not to do it, that's also sin. Okay, so sin isn't just breaking God's law, which is something that he does not want us to do, right? God doesn't want us to break his law. When we break it, it's sin. But sin is also when God does want us to do something and we don't do it. Do you understand that? If you're praying, if you're reading, if you're saying, you know what, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to get into my word. I'm going to get into this. And God begins to put a heavy feeling in your heart and say, you know what, Dennis preached about giving. And, and God is telling me I need to give more. But you know what, I don't want to. That was sin. Because the Holy Spirit was, was tugging at you, telling you what to do, and you chose not to do it. That's sin. Not because Dennis said it. Because God told you to. And you, and you said not to. God lays it on your heart to pray for someone, to minister to someone. And then at that moment you decide to not do it. That's sin. That's sin. Someone is out here at the altar and they're praying and, and you feel a conviction that, you know what, like I just need to hug this person. Maybe I don't need to say anything. I just need to hug it. And, and it's like a big, strong feeling. And you're like, nah, I ain't going to do that. You know, that's sin. We look at sin as murder, lying, cheating, stealing, this and that. But when God tells us to do something and we don't do it, it's sin. There are some of you that are being called to be missionaries. Some of you that are called to be preachers, teachers, evangelists, outreach. Um, there are, there's, listen, 
there's a calling and a purpose on each and every person here. Some of you, God has gifted with the, with the gift of teaching. And you're choosing not to teach, but he's called you to teach. You're sinning. He's told you, God has shown you how he wants you to help with children. And you choose not to. You're sinning. Ah, that don't really make sense to me. Hey, I didn't say it. It's the truth. If God tells us to do something, no matter what it is, whatever he calls us to do, if we choose not to do it, we sin. So, oh, but pastors, it's not that I don't want to. It's just that fear. It's just that I'm not qualified. It's just that I'm too lazy. It's just that, and we go down the list, right? No matter what the excuse you may have, to not submit to the Lord's direction in your life when once knowing it is sin. It's sin. Church, can you guys stand with me today? We should be doing we should be doing everything possible to find out God's will and make our plans to life according to that. We need to be praying, studying, meditating on the word of God. This is what we need to be doing. Can I ask the prayer, uh, some intercessors to come up? I'm going to ask uh, uh, Dennis, Brother Al, can you, can you come up? Oh, do you have to go over there? Dennis, Brother Al. Oh, you're hiding back there. Praise God. So let's take a quick recap. We all like to make plans. But today God is telling us that we need to be praying and studying on his word, meditating on his word, finding the Lord's, listen, 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 listen to what someone wrote here because I didn't, I didn't make this sentence up. Finding the Lord's unrevealed word and his specific will for your life comes through following his revealed word first. So when you're looking for what you don't know, when, when you're seeking for the unknown, he says that is found by going to the known word of God. Second, we need to be flexible with how we plan our life. We need to have an understanding that we may want something one way or a certain time or a certain place, and God can switch it right up. And guess what? You got to be ready to be okay with that. We got to be ready to be okay with that. Third, we got to be firm. When we see God and and we finally get that like, whoa, I, I really... I think, I think I know what God wants me to do. Like, I, I, really, I really feel like I really, this was amazing. I, I, was, I decided to help one day with the, with the youth. I decided to help one day with the teens or with the, young adult, or with the young adults or with the outreach or with feeding or with the kids. And it was amazing. Like, this was amazing for me. At that moment, like, wow, I think this is, I think this is where God wants me. Then be firm. And don't allow the life circumstances to keep you from serving or fulfilling what God wants in your life. When things get hard, don't just assume it's not his will. You know how it is? Ah, it's too hard. It must not be God. Oh, things, are, things just keep coming up in my life. This must not be God. 
God has called us to persevere. He's called you to be resilient. Finally, understand that not following God's will for your life is a sin, and we need to repent. This, 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 see, this, this is why I said it's a game changer. Because we all know what we want. We all know what we want to do. We all know what we want to be. And many times that affects our lives in the present because we're not where we want to be. I'm not in North Carolina, right? And sometimes that can make people bitter. That can make people upset. That can make them frustrated. And the thing is this, we have to get to a place where we are flexible with the changes that God does and accept what he does, rejoice in what he does, but understand that if we're not willing to submit to what he wants for us to do, we are living in sin. And at that moment, we need to repent. If God, listen, many of us have been prophesied on younger years. God says he's going to use you for this. And God wants to use you in this. And God wants to use and, and And we don't work on ourselves to get there. We reject that. We push it away. We sin. We all make plans, some more than others. But first, let's take, let's turn to the Lord and base all our plans on Him. So today, I wanna, I wanna open the altar for two things. Number one, some of us haven't had the opportunity to even come into relationship with Christ. Some of us sitting here hearing about relationship with Christ and letting Christ plan your future and letting God be a part of the future. And some of us haven't even said, yes, Lord, come into my life. I want to receive you. I want to accept you. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Some of us haven't even said that yet. And so there's always an opportunity. And that comes first. If you haven't ever made a commitment before the Lord to say, my life is a mess. I'm a mess without you and I need you. If you haven't made that commitment, today you can make that commitment, and the altar is open for that. The altar is open for that. The altar is open for that. And secondly, some of us, we struggle, we struggle, we struggle. Some of us struggle, we struggle because we plan things and things don't go according to the way we want. We struggle because we want things our way and God sometimes switches things up. We struggle with, with how God sees the, how we see the future and what God wants in the future. And we struggle with that and we need help in that area. Some of us need a little push. You know, off the deep end, you know you have to jump in and even stand in there waiting. Standing there waiting, standing there waiting, and somebody just comes along, I'm like, man, just get in the water. If you need that push today, if you need that push today, guess what? We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Listen, church, it is time that we begin to fall into God's plan. It is time that we begin to put aside our wants, our desires, and begin to say, what are your wants? What are your desires? It's time, listen, God is, God is prepping our church. There's a season change coming to Lighthouse. There's a season change coming to Lighthouse. And people are going to be walking into those doors, flooding those doors. But we need to be ready to receive them. We need to be prepared in who we truly are in Christ, so that they can experience Christ through each and every one of us. And sometimes right now, there are some of us that have been stagnant. There are some of us that have not taken the step forward in obedience. And God is saying, today is the day that you fall in line with my plans. Enough with your plans. Enough with what you want. Enough, but it's time that you fall in line with what I want for you, for your life, for your family, for your church. It's time. 
The altar is open. The altar is open. We want to pray with you. Because it's not easy. It's not easy to surrender yourself to allow God to do what he wants. It's not easy. Jesus. Father God, right now we present to you each and every person in this place. Father God, you know those that need salvation. You know those that need you. Those that have not committed themselves to you, that need a Lord and Savior. Father God, we are all sinners. Father God, we need you, Lord. Lord, look at, all, look at those that are standing here today that have been struggling, Lord, struggling, Lord, with what they want in life versus what you want. Some of us have been running. <coughs> running from what you want. Running from what you called us for. We're running because we just don't want to submit our lives to you for whatever the case. We've been hurt. We've been damaged. We've been lied to. We've been whatever the case may be, but God is saying, enough. It's time to surrender yourself to my plan. Father God, Lord, have your way in my life. If you lead me, Lord, I will follow. Where you lead me, Lord, I will go. How many of us can say we're living like that? If you lead me, I'll go. I'll follow. Father God, right now, today in this place, those that are here, those that are watching online, Lord, the prayer is that you help us put your plans before ours. That you help us surrender to the calling and the purpose that you've chosen for us. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.